Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello and welcome to The Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. My name is Sarah Morgan. Hello. Um, hello. Um, I'm midst recording season three, putting it all together for you, but I wanted to drop this episode right now for you because my guest, Glenn Wool, is a fantastic stand-up comedian um, and he's currently on tour in the UK. He's playing the Soho Theatre as we speak, 26th of March to the 30th of March. Go and see him because he's brilliant. Uh, he's playing the rest of the country too. His tour dates are at glennwool.com with Glenn with two N's. Um, I'll be back with more episodes just as soon as I can, but um, for now, please enjoy this very special episode with my friend, Glenn Moore. Thank you. Hello. Uh, in this podcast, I sit down with my favourite funny people to unpack their greatest fears in a judgment-free environment. Before we tape, I ask them to think about three fears, their favourite scary moment from film or TV, a fear from their childhood and a fear or phobia they live with now. By discussing these fears, we hopefully come to the reassuring conclusion that we are all scared of something. Currently, we are all scared of everything. Uh, my guest this episode is stand-up comedian, currently on the road with his show, Wool's Gold 2, brackets, The Iron Pirates. Yes. Best title ever. Uh, Glenn Wool. Hello, Glenn. Hello. <laughs> How professional was that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got this man, Glenn Wall, I've never met before in the room. <laughs> that was that was great because we've known each other for like a really long time. And yeah. um, you were just sort of looking at me like like a cat doing a TED talk. Like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can read off paper. <laughs> mm. yeah. You should talk on the phone like that. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Yeah, really good. <laughs> I like, ran into you in the street the other day and I was like, oh my God, it's been ages, come and do a podcast. Yeah. That's what friends do now. Yeah. yeah. I thought I was back in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what happens out there? People yes. ask everyone to do their podcast. Yeah. It's all burritos and podcasts in LA. Nice. At least the burritos are good there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Podcasts are usually three dudes going, just come and talk about whatever you want. I'm yeah. Like, I don't want to talk about anything. <laughs> like that or like ridiculously niche, like uh, a podcast where they watch every episode of like Saved by the Bell, but wearing top hats or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And honestly, if I, if I talked about what I wanted, it would just be Vancouver Canucks trivia. <laughs> you would want to talk about niche. Def- We're in a podcast right now. You could pitch that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should. I will. So before we talk about uh, scary stuff, tell me about the tour. It's gone good. Yeah. What does Wool's Gold mean? I know, but it's this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's the finest of my material. The choicest cuts, the other ones that are still not shouty enough. Like, I can still perform these bits without falling over. <laughs> So you've been you've been you've been in stand up for like how many years now? Twenty five. Twenty five. Twenty five years. Twenty five years, and I have known you for twenty ish. No, no, about that. eighteen. I think I saw. When did the Gilded Balloon burn down? 
And where yeah, were you? Yeah, yeah, that's when then that's the night we met. That is. <laughs> it had to be both. Got a light, I said from across the street. <laughs> I'm doing a thing. It's like the end of Heather's. Uh, yeah, no, I yeah. saw you do Late in Live, uh, and then the next year the Gilded Balloon burnt down. So whatever year before it burnt to the ground in Edinburgh. This is an Edinburgh venue, the Gilded Balloon. Anyway. I thought we met on the train. No, that was Alison, my flatmate. <laughs> you weren't there? No. No, I went to a gig with my. This is not going in the show. I went. To, <laughs> this is so interesting. Around this, I went to a gig uh, in Edinburgh with Alison, who's my flatmate, who's from Edinburgh, and she recognised you as a man she met on a train who'd made up a thing about being a clown. <laughs> <laughs> and also, actually, I'm going, I might keep this in because it's a great story. I would have. I would have bet Tony a Law, million right? dollars that you were there that day. No, Alison told me about this. So you and was it Tony Law? Tony Law. Tony Law were on a train, and there was a, a attractive young lady, my flatmate Alison, sat opposite you, and she asked you what you what you did, and you said. When Tony no, was Tony's in the yeah, loo, and Tony, he, Tony, Tony. he said, "We're clowns, but don't mention it." We're Tony's really sensitive about it. And what was your? Na- I I can actually remember the names. I mean, I can't remember the names of my like kids' uh, friends' mums, but I can remember I the name. It was Tony, Coco and Snowball, Dusty and Snowball, something like that. Uh, yeah, I think Tony was Snowflake actually. Snowflake, yeah, very wow. current, very current. Because yeah, he was sensitive about it. Yeah, this it. is literally twenty years ago. So this you were on a train, years ago. Yeah. and you just told someone. You, you were clowns, and and so when we were in Edinburgh, <laughs> watching a late and live show, uh, it was late and live in uh, at the Gilded Balloon. Uh, Alison went, I know that bloke, <laughs> <laughs> and then we got chatting to you after. Yeah, that is how that's oh. how long I've known you. So in the okay. very roundabout way, we have now established that you've been doing stand up for at least twenty years, if twenty five yeah, years. 25. And so the material in the show is. Uh, is it, it's, so it's like best of, but do you, you also sort of talk back to it? Is that right? A little bit, a little bit. Um, it's, uh, it's more just, a, it's, it follows a chronological order of how I got here and, and what's been going on. Mm. Uh, it's just, I mean, there's no, um, there's no <laughs> deeper lying. <laughs> like you're not going to come out of there with a tear in your eye going, oh, I never thought of it that way. Is that what you have to do in comedy now? It seems, yeah, well, you, do, you absolutely don't, but everyone gets, everyone's very certain that that's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's no such thing as jokes anymore. <laughs> do you know what I said about that? The reason people don't think jokes are art is because poor people are better at writing them than rich people. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely something in that. I mean, it's the, yeah, it's the, you can't say anything anymore, which people will tell you repeatedly and quite emphatically that you can't say <laughs> these words cannot be said anymore. Yeah. You never could say anything you wanted though. That's what that's that's what bothers me as a comedian. Yeah. Um I think we need to redefine can't. Like do you mean like the police will come or someone will <laughs> tut at you? Those are two very different things. Yeah. Um, well uh, it's also caused a fucking raft of horrible comedians that think that they're like, well, let's go up and ruin the audience then. And then for anybody else who wants to come up and talk about that in a real way. But I got three gigs under my belt. I think I should talk about rape. (laughs) Do you? Okay. In a funny way. (laughs) Ah, so how is it out there? (laughs) (laughs) Sort of, is it sort of new material as well? No, no, it's... Just just classic stuff. it's It's classic, classic wool. All the time. 
And then, like yeah. like the magic FM of Glenwell. Like yeah. Just yeah. three o'clock in a taxi. Yeah. Two for Tuesday. Beautiful. I love it. Um, cool. Well, so, so where are you? Yeah. I'm in reading tonight. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's fundamental, apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> reading is fundamental. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not looking forward to the gig in arithmetic in two nights' time. <laughs> Here we call it maths. <laughs> Just saying. Well, I'll spell it that way then. Uh, um, uh, so, do you remember your first gig? Yeah. You do? Yuck Yucks. And were, yuck Yucks. I love it. And were you nervous? Did you have stage I was. I was. Dragging tr- it back around to the theme relentlessly. Uh, I drank a bottle of vodka the night before. Uh, I'd. Um, I was living. I was 19 years old. Um, so, I was still living at home. And I. Um, I lived in the basement, and there was these salamanders that um, that all lived in the drain. So I used to open the back door and smoke. And I it was out in the it was out like a farm area, and um, I I puked out that back door onto all the salamanders. Um, and I, I yeah, and there was a lot of puke there. And then I just went to sleep, and I woke up the next day, and the salamanders had eaten all the puke. And um, I never saw them again. <laughs> so I think they died. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's sort of like a parable, but oh, for what? <laughs> no, like, yeah. Again, yeah, that, yeah, that like, man. Sir, this parable <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> if anything, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the opposite oh, of a parable. <laughs> so. And what, what, that, like a dream, you always have to ask, what were your feelings at that moment in time? When you, did that make you go, well, I'm definitely going to do this gig, or I have to do it now? Oh, yeah, or, no, uh, I was always going to do it. I mean, I drank yeah. a lot back then. Sure. I don't think the bottle of vodka was that different than what would have been going on anyway. Just on some salamanders, which yeah. are big lizards, right? I'm not salamanders. huge lizards, but, but they're lizards, big, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're lizards. Yeah. Um, yeah, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't the neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> they came a long way to Canada. I yeah, I got charged with a hate crime over that one. Uh, I said it was just it was it was it wasn't because of the heritage officer because they used to hang out in my train. Uh, how do you deal with your stage fright? Did you deal with stage fright? Uh, I I I I don't know. Like if it was um, if it was ever that prevalent, I really after the first show went really well. Then I just. I just always cool. Your first gig went well. Yep. Yeah. Not every gig since has. I'm not making that boast, but um, I used to be the opposite. I, I there used to be this little um, uh, metal pole backstage, just as a part of the rigging. And when the MC was going too long, I'd bang my ring on the pole to go like, "Give me up! Give me up there! Give me up there!" So one of them just uh, wow. put me aside and went. I'll do it when I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not meant to do that. No, but I mean, it's an amateur night, and that's when you make mistakes like that. And then, yeah, I realized, yeah, I don't, yeah. Yeah. But, but I, yeah, and uh, it never, um, I never had a really bad stage fright. Although, a few years ago, I had an anxiety um, issue. It was the weirdest uh, thing. It was kind of, I'd, I'd burnt myself out. And uh, I'd been touring too much, and I needed to get off the road. Um, and I started having this thing where it felt like I needed a massive piss. Wow. Um, 
and but I didn't. So I'd go have a pee, but it would still like feel that way. Um, and it would I would spend every second on stage thinking I was going to piss my pants. Um, but I never did. And then it would also uh, on long car rides, I would get this same thing. And um, wow! And you thought this? Did you know what it was? Did you kind of know this was a symptom of anxiety? Or were you like, no? I didn't know. The only thing or? I knew. The only thing I knew was um, that uh, our, our mutual friend Steve Hughes, mm. um, who was uh, doing the same thing as me, but more so, he was he was opening for Reg and then doing his own tours in the off time of Reg. Uh, Red Hunter, yes, you supported him for a yeah. long time last year. Yeah. Uh, and he, well, Steve was his opener for I think two or three years, mm. but he was never stopping working. Um, and uh, I, some people had t- relayed concerns to me about Steve and some, uh, some odd behavior, and I talked to him about it, and he was like, he was like, I know what they're talking about. It's not, it's not, um, it's not like I'm not I'm not going crazy. I just I just it just always feels like I need a piss. Oh wow! <laughs> it's like oh no, <laughs> I guess yeah. I mean he's back he's back on track a little bit now, but he's still he he had to take years and years and right. years off. Um, I'll check in with him that it's okay to say this stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, I think yeah. he's. I think it's known that um, mm. he had to take some take some time off, and it was it was because of road burnout. And uh, I was glad. I, I mean, it was it was good that um, I I was given a wake up call, and maybe Steve went through some suffering so that I didn't have to. Um, yeah. Well, there's something extraordinarily comforting when everyone just catches each other's eye at the same time and says, "Oh no, I'm." Scared, anxious, panic attacky. Don't yeah. have a fucking clue what I'm doing. Yeah. And at the same time, it's amazing how much it doesn't change the problem. It doesn't change anything, but it just immediately the weight's lifted. Yeah, and that being said, uh, that wasn't the first um, appearance of my anxiety. I did get panic attacks. I, I would get them um, when uh, the first time I came to Europe. Um, yeah, uh, man, that's a huge move. So how old were you when you came here? Uh, 22, uh-huh. 23. So, um, yeah, I, I, got, <laughs> I booked a tour of Norway when I was 22. <laughs> like I managed to, because I was, this, nobody was going up there and I found myself up there and they were like, well, yeah, do you want to come back and do a tour? And I was like, Fuck. I'm not supposed to be touring Norway, you know, because there's there's like, you know, a million comics in Canada, but they were all at that time. I mean, this would have been mid 90s uh, or sort of late 90s. Everyone was looking to the States and I just sort of I got in a car accident with three years experience under my belt and went, I think Europe's probably the better. Mm. And I was just one of the first ones to get over here. And, and yeah, so. I found myself in fucking Bergen, <laughs> <laughs> just going, and I I had it in my head too. I was like, well, if I run out of material, then I'll just have to steal it from my friends. But um, oh, nice! Did. That was your plan to smuggle their material out. Of yeah, Canada and I was do gonna it do it. Unwitting Norwegians. Yeah, never it. had to, never had to, and uh, I've never stolen jokes before, um, but I have uh, in in the past now had to do jokes that were like were written for me for TV and stuff. Mm. And uh, it's funny to think like I, 
you it's really hard to do somebody else's joke <laughs> like if that was my plan <laughs> like, yeah it would have it would have fallen and apart segue very quickly I feel, yeah i feel like the, the joke see i mean it takes two seconds to google a joke these days so like if you're I don't think people wholesale lift words for words. I think people just steal concepts all the time. That seems. Oh, funny. that still happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then we also, you know, how, how you can tell you can tell when somebody's stolen a joke because it's not the way their brain works. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like if if somebody tells two two jokes, I I'll I can tell you off of somebody telling two different jokes. I go, okay, they didn't write either of those because they're not. That's not, you know, like if you fall, if you watch them long enough, you go, okay, that's what they're capable of. And then if there's a shining star in there, <laughs> you're like, well, somebody's dropped that yeah. <laughs> little gem in there. So uh, to go back to, uh, you said you dealt with anxiety when you first moved to Europe. So how did you cope with that then? I called an ambulance the first time what? it happened. Yeah. I guess this was kind of before panic attacks were generally that well known as a thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought I was having a heart attack, yeah. and um, they were just like, "No, no, you're not." <laughs> but yeah. they were really nice about it. And I was staying at a friend's place in um, London, and I made sure that they didn't turn the sirens on with the ambulance. Which, I mean, that probably in itself should have told me I wasn't yeah. having a heart attack. The like, of mind, could you yeah. creep up the back door? Yeah. And uh, and I will uh, I will walk to the to your I'll, you know what I'll just get a cabin yeah 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 don't put the woo woos on I mean it's yeah <laughs> I have a very weak heart <laughs> what are we talking about oh uh, so yes anxiety this is something you now are re experiencing or have recently re experienced with the whole needing to piss thing yeah that got, it went away though um, about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Alex, my fiance, she credits. Um, she she says it went away when she came along. And I think it's true. I mean, I still had to tell her about it because it would like um, I would be like, worried I was going to piss the bed or you know. Yeah, um, you never thought to check something better than just. Sorry, my brain is just going. That sounds like prostate or something. No, no, I got everything checked. <laughs> everything, like, right? everything. Okay. Everything. Just an anxiety, just a, a symptom of anxiety. Uh, who knows what it was. Yeah. Um, but doctors, it's funny when, when you present them with something they don't know about because they get defensive. <laughs> and the one doctor was like, well, maybe you just got to get another job. <laughs> you know, it's harder to be a comedian than it is to be a doctor. Like more people... Yeah. Try for comedy than don't make it than doctors. And this is just a God, doctor going... Well, you know, and I, I'm like, well, you don't know what it yeah. is, so maybe you should get another job. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, thinking about what is what is what 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 could be healthy about a lifestyle where you're driving or getting public transport like hours each way, and then you know, this massive spike of adrenaline when it's a good gig, <laughs> sometimes uh, massive yeah. spike of adrenaline when you're on stage, and then coming up and sort of being on your own most of the time, like that's. It's, You've got to have a certain constitution for that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I always did. I always was, um, even when I started, they were amazed how far I could drive without a break. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I can't really do that. I, I can't do the heavy travel anymore. I mm. think that's what that's what took it out of me more than anything. I mean, I remember there was a time when um, I was, uh, I flew around the world three times in two weeks. I, I checked it. Um 
just lengthwise. So I went to I went to Asia, and then my management couldn't get my management couldn't get me out of an Asian um, tour, but I also had to go to LA and open for Reese. Uh, just when Reese Darby and uh, shoot um, the opening of his DVD. It was a really it was just Reese had just got famous, and mm. it was a big. Um, it was a big, it was a big chance for me, you know, and yeah. uh, so they managed to make it. So I missed two gigs on the Asian tour and <laughs> flew to LA, did that, and then flew back to the Asian tour. And uh, I'd been doing the Auss- Auss- Aussie stuff too. Centered out of London, flew around the world three times mm. in two weeks, and um, at the end of it, I woke up in a hotel room. And I really didn't know where I was. Like uh-huh. I did. It wasn't like it wasn't like, oh, I'm. I what happened last night? It was just like where where am I? I really don't know. And I started going back through my head and trying to trace it through airports because there's so many changes <laughs> and stuff. I was like, I've been in. Yeah, it's horrible. I've, I've been in like twenty airports in the last week. I I can't even. You know, I was losing the trail, and then I read the I read the. The um, the stationery on because it was a hotel. <laughs> oh my god! Like, where? But it was one of those hotels. This is a chain, so it just the stationery said Milan, uh, London, oh, right. Tokyo, so it was like Hilton. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So, here are your four choices. So I went. No, like no more. further cue. I went. I looked out the window and I was trying to read the ships in the harbor. So, oh wow, that's creepy. But they um. They were, they were all international ships, so it didn't, you know, it was just a mix. And I finally called the front desk and I just said, where am I? And the lady went, room 76. <laughs> <laughs> Thank a, you. That's a great start to a horror film. Yeah. Like, <laughs> to wake up and piece together the, I mean, to be fair, it's, 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 it's also how I spent my 20s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Game of Thrones. The Walking Dead. Westworld. No, that's the West Wing. West, Westworld. There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. Welcome then to The The One Show Show, where we treat the Matt Baker Alex Jones vehicle with the level of sophisticated examination one would ordinarily reserve for the likes of The Wire. It's very sad that it's come to this, isn't it, Sandy? (laughs) (laughs) And with that, good night. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> Glenn, what's your favorite scary moment from film or TV, please? Uh... The most scared I've ever been was watching The Day After Tomorrow, which was a um, a miniseries done in the 80s about um, what would happen in the event of a nuclear strike in North America. Now, is this a this is an American show or a Canadian show? Or? It was American, but it was sort of done like an after school special. Right. It was, uh, I mean, it was because like, I've not heard of this, and I'm looking for clips on it on YouTube, and I figure you can sort of talk me through it at the same time. We'll do it live. This, uh, yeah, I, you know what? I think somebody really famous is in it now. I I heard about it again. Uh, there's a certain age of person that uh, this is the, like it scared the living shit out of us. Uh, would have been about ten. Okay, and you were home in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Home alone. Uh, no, I think I think it was sort of family viewing. Um, but it was it was in the middle of the Cold War, and that was the um, that was the big uh, scary thing. Is it like was it going to be a nuclear holocaust? But everybody knew about it. Like, <laughs> oh, just I, everyone watched it at the same time. Yeah, no, I'm just talking about. Um, the Cold War. Oh like, yeah, oh god! I remember yeah. in Saskatoon, um, I was watching. Um, a, like they broke into a children's program to say that uh, the Russians had shot down an airliner <gasps> and it might this, like it would sort of. So like sort of like the the way they had the terrorist colored alerts, you know, like it's a it's yeah, a red alert or totally. it's a green. But this was for the end of the world. Like they were like, oh, well, yeah, it's a little closer because they did that. You know, and this is something they interrupted the news. And you remember this happening? They interrupt? No, they interrupted a cartoon with the news. <laughs> Sorry, they interrupted. Yes, they interrupted. Yeah, they, yeah. they interrupted the, the news. news the morning, this is the real news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> the news is too hard now. Here's Daffy Duck. It's a really good one. Oh shit! I, I think it's called the day after. Yeah. 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 Like that. Okay. Cool. It I is called. It is called the day after. In the nineteen eighties, the U.S. is poised on the brink of nuclear war. Jason Robards, Steve Gutenberg. Ah, is that yes. who the big name was? Yeah. <laughs> cool. But I love. I love it when um, 
memories of something get slightly warped. I think it's kind of how our brains cope with weird shit we see and remember stuff yeah. differently. And it's um, well, I it think it's so present. Like, yeah, I mean, we've this has come up on the show a lot for people around our age. Is we were all there, there in the eighties when it was like, oh no, we're all definitely going to die in the nuclear holocaust. Yeah. I think Here's it's where to- it's where grunge came from, and also nice. the stand-up comedy. The um, I think that that's what led to the to the um, to the boom and just people being good at it because it te- it does take a streak of nihilism to be good at stand up comedy I think and yeah there's yeah. um that's really that's a really interesting point the idea that great music and great stand up came out of uh, the people who in the eighties watched when the wind blows or threads or <laughs> those of the fucking adverts that would come on as you say and would just go well just if, if nuclear war hello if nuclear war happens just let you know hear this noise and then you're <laughs> fucked <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and you wonder how much of it was like how much of it was manufactured and and the, you know did they did they sort of prefer you to 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 feel that way because you look you look back now and you don't you don't even trust the the idea of it um but it definitely happened. I mean, and, mm. and those those weapons are still in existence and and um, better now. Yeah, but yeah. now I mean, now there's somewhere to take the energy that we felt around that time and put it into memes or social media or you know, like there's, you know, you you see white supremacists with tiki torches and you're just like, oh, that'll be a meme in five minutes. There's not that sort of just kind of what I'm going to just sit here like a child sitting and seeing that stuff and going, well, we're all fucked. What do I do with this energy? Uh, I'll start a band. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- I think um, stand-up comedy mm-hmm. and then stop bands from being good because I think a lot of people who would have been lead singers um, just realised. You're saying that a lot of stand-ups wish they were musicians. <laughs> this is every stand-up I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think... And yet Madonna they, did stand-up. But I like this one the other way. I, I, th- I think uh, I think the charisma is interchangeable. And, yeah, um, totally. Most most lead singers aren't particularly talented. <laughs> you know, they have just, a particular set of skills. Yeah, they they've they've just got uh, X factor, you know, and that's why they're they're put at the front. But um, it's it happens less. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you tell you tell somebody that kind of charisma is, you know, would you rather? just get by on some pretty lame jokes and uh, a lot of pouting or would you <laughs> like to foster a relationship with a fucking bass player <laughs> no you want to lift any equipment on the way out no i don't yeah. want to lift anything no, no. Yeah. i want to just have like feelings like quite hard in a direction yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, well, let's move on to your fear that you had as a child. Uh, well, that was a, a real fear mixed with a, with um, what, what you'd get presented on television. Mm. But my dad was a police officer, mm. so I was always worried that he was going to get shot at work, which wasn't, you know, doesn't really happen all that much, especially in the Yukon in the 80s. Um but then, like every television program was T.J. Yeah. Hooker, mm-hmm. <laughs> like people were shooting at cops yeah. from the tops of buildings, and you know, uh, uh, yeah. So it was always a, 
a big fear of mine. I was, I was really glad when it came home because nobody had shot oh, him. That's so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. No, my God, that must be that must be terrifying. The idea. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, was he armed, presumably? Uh, he actually wouldn't have been. Uh, right. He was a uh, financial um, investigator. But, I mean, he could have he could have been shot by other police officers because he caught a bunch of them with um, <laughs> bad investments. So I think my fear of, well, my fear of reprisal to my father was uh, probably greater than I actually knew. But, uh, yeah, they did. They tried to catch him in a... Um, in a blackmail, they tried to get him to go to the hotel. This lady was like, yeah, we went to high school together. And he was like, no, I'm not. Yeah, then they were going to photograph him. Oh, like and a honey trap. They were going to honey trap your dad and, yeah. and so that he wouldn't bust their financial yep. impropriety. Yep. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, which, you know, which became the thrust of cop programs uh, in the <laughs> 2000s. And, uh, yeah, I know, I was just worried about somebody getting all hopped up on hoodoo juice. Trying <laughs> to take a cop out. Yeah, not, not, not more worried about the actual officers of the law with access to guns. And, yeah, and hookers. And hookers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry, just imagine them getting hookers out of the vault. You know, like they keep stuff in the police, yeah. <laughs> the police lockers. Like, we've got this evidence coke. We've got some hookers. Yeah, stop putting the hookers in, in mm. the drug evidence together. <laughs> the, there's now, now we don't have either of them. <laughs> I mean, this is. <laughs> we got nothing. We got nothing. We got a slingshot you took off the Williams boy. Uh, That's the only thing we have left. And, and, and it's. One of the hookers has it in her dead hands. I don't know what she was doing with it. But I think she was using it to shoot heroin into another. <laughs> they, they didn't have any other way, way of ingestion. <laughs> um, uh, they're called sex workers now. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, is, this is the 80s. This was the 80s. They were definitely called hookers. But. Yeah, I don't know. I don't use them as much yeah. as you do. <laughs> or your dad. Uh, no, no, hang on. No, no, no. he wouldn't. He sniffed it out. <laughs> Um, but on the real, love, so your dad came. I wanted to know your dad came home and like. No, he didn't make that announcement. Okay. I, the way I found out. How did you out find out that, that story? Uh, my mom told me um, that uh, she has. Um, <laughs> I called the your lady, dad a hooker, and it turns out yeah. he's being blackmailed. No, the lady so. called the house, or the lady called my dad, and he was smart right away. He just said to my mom, "Look, this lady, I don't know her from." high school she says that we used to go to high school mm. together and she wants me to come and say hello at this um at this hotel i reckon it's a it's a sting mm. uh, and then years later my mom told me about it wow but um what i wanted to say about that particular fear mm. is uh uh about your like when you're worried about uh your your dad or parent mm. uh, getting shot at work. I, I you know, the, it's it's always been really popular to take pops at the police and you know, yeah. me and fuck the police. And, yeah. Um, I think what people forget about that is the amount of stress that's in that job. And not only, not only is uh, when you're a police officer, not only is your your children worried you're going to die at work, you're worried you're going to die at mm. work. Um, and that's you. I can see where officers are making mistakes. Uh, they seem like stress-based mistakes. They don't seem like hate-based mistakes. Um, 
not, you know, not across the board, of course. There's, mm. Of course, there there is some, but um, I uh, I always I always feel for uh, officers, and, and this is men and women because they're both. You know, you can hold up examples of like going, well, what was somebody acting like this like like this at work for? It's like, mm. well, you know, they're, they're worried. <laughs> you know, it, did you jump out of your car and make a lot of shots? You know, like, mm. what are you doing? Just yelled at them because they pulled you over for speeding. But, it yeah. is the, uh, the, the, the uh, yeah, this is something I had to do some research on, something you were writing recently, because it does feel like a very basic bitch thing uh, by people who have never had any problems. They're like, yeah, fuck the police, because I smoked a spliff once, kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, they're really badly paid. Like, the, 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 in terms of salary, they haven't had, they, like, the police don't get, haven't had a pay rise in years. It's, it's a very stressful job in difficult conditions, and I think we should respect our bobbies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Controversially. Well, also, um, uh, just if public attitude is to cause them to be a pariah and the idea that they are sort of this uh, bully force, well, who do you think is going to be attracted to that job then? Mm, that's very true. Yeah, yeah, more bullies. Yeah. Gross. Uh, so we've done two choices. So finally, yeah, we 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 talked we talked about this earlier in terms of anxiety and stuff. But um, let's talk about fears you live with now, because actually, to circle back to something we were just talking about with your dad, you are now a father, and therefore, how do you feel about your kids being worried about you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's caused me to um, to it, yeah. It's a different stress when you have uh, children. Um, you do gigs you don't want to do. <laughs> you, know, you do things you don't want to do, yeah. um, just because uh, there's more. There's more to think about. Um, but uh, I, the one, the one, um, the one difference is my stress dreams used to be um, that you know somebody would be chasing me and I couldn't run fast, and like my mm. you know, or I would go to get in a fight and I couldn't. You know, throw a punch or something. It was really like yeah, oh, classic anxiety dream. Yeah. Um, but the the last one I had, um, the uh, uh, there was a bull in a field and it was uh, threatening my family, <laughs> and I ripped its head off. <laughs> like I, I grabbed it by its horns and I twisted it so hard I heard a crack and I was like, I can do it. And boom, I ripped the bull's head off in my dream. Oh, I love that dream. <laughs> you looked so butch doing the mime as well. That was astonishing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, fucking hell, dude. At least, yeah, man, that's so cool. That's yeah. like a really good anxiety dream. Like, did you, do you feel cathartic afterwards? I did. I did. Yeah. I did. There's not many outlets for stress. For men, particularly, <laughs> but for testosterone, there's nowhere for it to go. But ripping a bull's head off will do it, I think. Yeah. Well, there should I, be like virtual bull ripping head stations <laughs> around the globe for men to go and do yeah, that. Yeah, like, instead of uh, like riding a mechanical bull at yeah, a bar. Yeah, Instead of like crazy golf or whatever. Like, you just get to go and tear the head off an actual bull. Yeah, yeah, that's in the end, in the end, what you know, it started off as mechanical, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a lot of... Um, a lot of the uh, bullfighting rings in Spain have really, really seen. It was like UFC it, once it came to the bullfighting. <laughs> That's such a good dream, though. I had, I had, mm. like, I had like the 
most horrible anxiety dream I've had. And my, my anxiety dreams are normally uh, uh, like, yeah, the classic, your teeth fall out, you try and punch something and you can't and you run away and you can't. But I had a dream the other night that was about snails. <laughs> and it was it was like everything in I was in someone's house and everything in the house was full of snails like the vases were full of snails the TV was covered in snails they were clawing up thing there were snails on the sideboard that were like about a foot long and they were sort of coming up like snakes with their little horns coming out and then like sort of just <laughs> melting down all the furniture just <laughs> fucking snails everywhere I woke up like heart attack like heart racing panic attack level of of like terror and then i spent the whole day like feeling dreadful like i've been scooped out like you know when your mouth's all metal are you, you afraid just, of snails no couldn't give a fuck about snails i mean i you know i now am i would love to know where it came from i haven't encountered a snail recently it was like a sort of 80s like horror book like a sean hudson or something where it's like well we've done rats and we've done we've done all these things uh we've done we've done cats we've done wolves we've done big scary dogs and rabies what are we gonna do oh we'll do snails it was like that the snails it was yeah i can see the movie like, yeah from the 70s where they've just superimposed <laughs> just stock footage of snails and then yeah. ah! Yeah, just screaming. The giant snails are coming. Yeah. Slowly. Was, I would love to know why that sort of inside... Yeah. Why, yeah. why that that particular thing just made me feel so dread... You know, you feel like physically ill with how anxious, anxious you've been. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's really strange. Why really... snails would scare you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... Your dream is better, and I hope I have that dream. Yeah. I hope you get to rip the head off a snail. Although, <laughs> or just the I think that would just get it out of its shell. Yeah, just, I'd, I'd have a slug and a shell. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have two problems to deal with. Yeah, it'd be really, like, it would just stretch it. <laughs> you'd probably... Just twang it back in. Yeah, yeah, you'd shoot it across the room if you didn't have your foot on it properly. <laughs> and then you go curly, like they do. <laughs> delicious with some garlic and butter though I've never yeah. eaten them and now I want to now I want That's to find a French right. restaurant They're delicious yeah I, yeah I've never had it gonna... I mean it's got garlic and butter on it so how bad is it going to be yeah exactly be? anything yeah but, yeah scabby yeah. monkey and garlic and butter would be delicious um, so uh, do you, is there any other fears you live with now because we've talked about your um, anxiety yeah I Can think just getting older um, yeah yeah, yeah. You never think about it, but um, uh, comedy's taken a, a turn towards youth. Or I mean, it's always been there, but mm. uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not affecting my work right now. But you see people, um, see people. Their work's drying up, and they're just they're gonna go off and do other things. Um, so it's it's a good um, it's a good uh, push to to keep writing because you know? yeah. that'll keep you in the game but yeah yeah that's um yeah i like you used to laugh when you'd see people you know you see a man in a toupee <laughs> dyed eyebrows and you're just like let it go buddy what were you, what are you? and then you get a little older you're like he might have been trying to hold on to a job <laughs> oh god the sympathy I feel for yeah yeah everyone who's just kind of you know then you see women with like appalling facelifts and all I can think is she didn't go in and ask for that 
that just happened. She she <laughs> went in. She said, "I'd like uh, my I'd like to work. <laughs> I'd like to keep working in Hollywood." And her face went concave. And now she either just stays inside the rest of her life, or she sort of gets on with stuff. And I kind of feel like that's like slightly magical. Those people who go out and just nope, no one's going to say anything about how weird their face looks. Yeah, just owns it. Just, yeah, yeah. Well, what do you have to? What do you do? You just, just never work again. You move somewhere windy. <laughs> yeah. People are like, "Did you buy that house on the hill?" Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta buy. Yeah, but what mm. I saved in property, I spent on chapstick. <laughs> That's a little wind joke. We <laughs> wind humor. Yeah, we got a lot of that around. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so how do you, I mean, that's, it's an interesting point there, how uh, if, if you, if it feels like comedy is getting younger, uh, how do you, how do you stay relevant? To- um, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the little things that, uh, you know, like you have to, as, as much as you don't want to bow down to social pressures mm. about, um, about, uh, content of your show I mean if if pretty much everybody's saying well don't tell a joke about this subject well fuck you better mm. if you are gonna you better have a great joke oh, yeah. about it That's... but that that was always the rule uh, mm. I found anyway that was anytime uh, I headed into edgier territory I wanted to make sure that the joke was solid and and that I believed in mm. the ethos behind it um but even even that now, like where people just act like subject, me like I'm allergic to these certain words. <laughs> You're not, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, comedy is becoming um, becoming more conservative, and um, and you have to you have to bow down to that a little bit. It it, it does it present a sort of new challenge in terms of uh, yeah, you have to sort of work a bit harder. You have to. Th- think around a thing you have to like inter- find another way of saying something that uh yeah yeah i mean it's not it's not so hard for me anyway um because i'm sort of past you know if i never write another drug joke i'd, I'd be surprised if i wrote another do- drug joke mm. it's, it's just not it's not something i'm doing every day <laughs> <laughs> you know i get a i get a ton of great um, I just became a dad stuff and yeah. uh, you know it's cuz you know and then when people are like oh it's just so it's all about his kids now like you have any sort of right to tell me what to write about like you don't own me to that extent there are like eight things that human beings have in common with each other which is like we sleep we eat we love slash fuck we you know there were like and and you have to talk about those things because if you don't talk about those things then then people can't connect if you're doing you know yeah you, yeah people, people well want i to connect i quite like with it the human too, experience um because the start the stuff i used to write about um but less people knew about it or less people did stuff like it so it's kind of nice to be going through a shared experience mm. um because it's still my sense of humor i'm still i'm still applying that just to a different situation but it's it's nice just to go on just go i just had a kid and have the audience go okay all right 
You know, yeah. I, I don't have to explain how that happened or, or why. You know, well, what did you do? <laughs> Are you stuck? Well, whew, is yeah. that and that's how that goes down? Okay, well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find it funny too. There is a there is a um, the uh, there's a, there's a big portion of my show uh, right now about. Um, my fiance being a millennial. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. She just sort of, she's on the cusp. Um, what year about, was she born? Uh, uh, 80s. She's 31 now. So um, I don't know. Um, but it's about, it's about her not understanding references that I'm making, mm -hmm. like, like pop culture references. <laughs> and, <laughs> But it's all it's all self-contained, and it's about. But you can sometimes see millennials in the crowd go, I, "I don't know who that is," like that, and I'm like, "It's you're in the middle of a joke. Yeah, you're listening to a joke about me explaining who someone is. Do you think I might explain it? Like, yeah. <laughs> like you don't have to stop everything. Yeah, I'm I'm currently lost. I need to I need this all to stop. I I couldn't possibly connect this thought of not knowing what's going on i, I can't I, I will not remember this i will <laughs> well there's there's something i think if you grow if you grow up literally think knowing i don't know what this thing is i can immediately look it up with the everything in the world device that's in my pocket if you can yeah. whip out your phone and just immediately what's a mr t oh now i know, you know? <laughs> i've never heard of mash yeah. now i have now i know everything about mash now i can watch every episode of mash yeah, yeah i think if you yeah, just the, the idea that there's going to be a reference coming up that they might not get is fascinating. That, uh, yeah, mm. yeah, that they that they feel the need to inform the person beside them. Mm -hmm. It used to be um, like, a, well, I know I, when I was that age, I would go to great lengths to hide the fact I didn't know something. <laughs> Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah it was just, I was just laugh a lot. <laughs> I know, I, I get it, I get it, I get it. I don't get it. <laughs> it's stupid that you like that thing. I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used, to, I, I kind of know everything about it, so I don't like it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot it all. What's that? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if this falls into the um, description of the thing, but I'll tell it anyway. Mm. Um, I just went, you know Rob Rouse? Mm. Uh, him and his wife Helen live in um, in a village just outside of Sheffield now. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm up doing two nights in this these little villages in the middle of England, and little Lenny, their son, is doing a clarinet recital. Now you know you stay at you stay at their place. They're they're all dear friends. They, so we're all in this little tiny gymnasium of a, a village school, and uh, the kids are playing clarinets. And there's like a backing track that they're playing along to. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and then the oh, don't bash the desk. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all doing that, and it's not. It's, I mean the. It's not great, but you're proud of them because they're 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 trying. But there's other little kids uh, that they've sort of brought into the gym, and they're jacking around a bit, like because it's like, oh, we're gonna watch this thing. They're poking each other. Mm. One kid's like ironically dancing to it, like oh, and trying to 
turn around and see if he's making the adults laugh. And I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to like convey to him, like, just knock it off. Like, mm. I, I get it. I get what you're doing. But like, I stony faced him, like, just stare. I didn't stare him out, but he sort of like whipped around and stopped dancing. And uh, then the the music got a little better. Like they they played a faster song, and the in the little, the little kids with the clarinets were keeping up. And I found myself tapping my foot, <laughs> like, oh, eh, best show's getting good. And then the backing track, like it, it was all like it's planned, but the kids all stopped playing the clarinets at the same time, and the backing track stopped and the, and then it had like the one lyric was just this gravel voice man went yeah <laughs> like along like in the song and then they all go <laughs> and like i just wasn't ready to hear it so i went <laughs> the air came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah but like it was on the tape, like not yeah. they didn't bring a guy in to go, yeah. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> yeah. But I I giggled. And uh then I was <laughs> and then the song starts up again. But I'm like, if that guy says yeah again, because it's the same song, it's just they're doing it again. I'm like, if he says yeah again, I'm gonna burst out laughing. Um and it, it it's it's like watching that like uh listening to it going oh please and then you're wondering like am i am i just being an idiot like it's, it's not even so i sort of looked out of the corner of my eye at helen and helen had a tear rolling down her <laughs> cheek <laughs> and she's like biting squeezing her arms like a like she's a tube of toothpaste or something <laughs> trying to keep the laugh down rob's sitting behind us trying to he, he sounds like he's trying to swallow his own head. Yeah. Like he's trying, he's just <laughs> like that. And then it, the song is just creeping up and we're like, tur, tur. and to be fair, they, they did not say, yeah. <laughs> the gravel voiced man. Went, <laughs> and just that suppression of laughter. The, yeah, church giggles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the little kids, the little bad kids were turning around giving me the stink eye, like <laughs> trying to calm me down. Like, <laughs> Oh, man. So, the, so the, the kids, obviously, at this point, they're not finding this funny. They know what's, no. <laughs> they know what's going on. No, they don't see what's funny. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm sure they probably heard the song before. So, oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. It just seemed like such a... I mean, like Rouse said, he goes, it sounded like the guy was getting head. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when, did, when did you get to release? How did you? Did you... Uh, I, I don't think it's ever come out. I think it got, like, it's stuck yeah, in there. Stuck in there forever. But every once in a while, I'm just driving, and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> And then I then I then I laugh about it, and that's why I think if you can jam a laugh inside yourself, oh, yeah. then it's always there. Yeah. It's like a burning fire. Yeah. <laughs> just oh, that's lovely. Just oh, it was great. Like, and then I saw um, 
Kanye West got his wife Kenny G in a room full of roses for <laughs> Halloween or not Halloween wow. uh, for Valentine's Day, and I just thought, oh, that's my that's my bucket list now. If I can get Kenny G to play, ooh yeah, for Robin Helen on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Glenn, uh, where can uh, listeners of the fear find out when you're on the road? www.glennwold.com. There's two ends in Glenn. I'm not being extravagant. It was my parents' idea. <laughs> Glennwold.com. Uh, Glenn, thank you so much for coming on the fear. Thank you for having me. Cheers, dude. I'm Jack Beaumont and this is Crime Club, the podcast where I talk to people who have done terrible, terrible things, either immoral or illegal, ideally both. Fucking hell, mate. That's Crime Club. Oi. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.